Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this podcast and we pray that it blesses you. For any information on this sermon or our other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Thank you. Oh, thanks, guys. Good morning. You may be seated. Great to be here with you this morning. Thrive Church. Are you thriving? Good. Good. It's great. Well, I am excited to be here, and uh, we're just excited to see what God wants to do in our midst this morning. We've been praying for you. I've been praying for you, believing that God would do great things here. And speak to your heart, because uh, it's my conviction and, and my experience that when God speaks, things change. Uh, When God speaks, I find healing. When God speaks, I find freedom. When God speaks, uh, everything's different. So we're going to pray for God to speak to our hearts this morning, which would be good, eh? What do you reckon? It's good. Well, uh, you've already heard my name's Steve and uh, married to the beautiful Amy. Uh, I think they'll be coming up 16 years uh, in September. And uh, so that's fun. We have uh, three children, Kobe, who's here this morning, actually, and he's uh, almost 12, 12 on Wednesday. And then uh, my daughter, Talia, is 10. And then Jet is seven, and he's just had his tonsils out. So it was a wonderful couple of quiet weeks, and uh, and now he's back to full energy, <laughs> which is awesome. It's great, full noise as well. Uh, it's very good. So a- anyway, my uh, my journey in New Zealand started in uh, 1842. Uh, quite old, aren't I? Anyway, but uh, a ship, the Sir Charles uh, something or other, Sir Charles something. Docked in Port Nelson with some settlers, and, uh, and there was a first mate on there, Simon Bonnet Silcock, and he fell in love with one of the girls and uh, decided to stay in Nelson. And you know, that's a good reason. All right, anyway, <laughs> so that's what happened. And as far as I know, that's the only Silcock that ever uh, migrated here, and we all sort of come from there. And there's a bit of Scottish in the mix of there. My mother's uh, Robertson, and then some Taylors in the mix, and Irish, and uh, so good blend of Great Britain, and yes, I do fight with myself often. So, so anyway, anybody feel my pain? It's kind of like, well, I do, yes, and I laugh at my own jokes too, so. Ah, it's great, it's great, but we're on a great journey, and we are excited to be part of what God is doing in Canterbury, and uh, in New Zealand, and in, this, uh, in the nations of the earth. Just an exciting day to follow Jesus, isn't it? And my prayer is that uh, Thrive Church, that is 30 years young now, uh, would really step into uh, the next season with greater strength and greater grace and a greater sense of mission and purpose and clarity on what God's called you uh, to do and to be than ever before. I believe God wants to strengthen you in this season. And I've discovered that you don't have to, uh, to, get, uh, you don't have to avoid difficulties to win in life, you just simply have to get stronger than them. And uh, so I'm, bl- I'm believing and praying for God's strength uh, in this church. And let's just pray together right, as we get into God's Word this morning. Father, we thank you for your wisdom and your revelation in this place. Speak to us, God. Our, our hearts are hungry to hear from you and to meet with you. And I pray that you would drop your Word into our hearts in such a way that it would be life-changing today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to go to Mark chapter 4 this morning. There's going to be up on the screens there if you haven't got your Bibles. And uh, who, who, who carries an old, uh, you know, old version, sort of uh, hard copy, paper copy of the Bible these days? You got that? Give me a wave. That's good. Well done. Well done. Going old school. Who, who carries one that looks a bit more like this? 
It's good. I'm watching you because I know you can pretend to be reading the Bible, but you're on Facebook at the same time. So I'll keep a close eye on you. But uh, anyway, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. I'm going to read through to the first verse of chapter 5. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that they were nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and waves, and said to the waves, Be quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and waves obey him? Chapter 5, verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. In the region of the Gerasenes. I want to talk this morning on the subject. My title is Stirred, Not Shaken. Stirred, Not Shaken. Any James Bond fans out there? You'll have noticed I just got that wrong, according to James Bond, right? Because he says, shaken, not stirred. Well, I want to preach this morning, stirred, not shaken. Now, it's amazing to me that two people can go through exactly the same circumstance or life event and have a totally different perspective, and their lives can look completely different out the other side. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, you know, a good example of that for me is uh, my, myself when I uh, moved down here as a 14-year-old when we moved to Rangiora, and uh, I, we lived on a dairy farm in Waikuku, and, and we got a, I had a dirt bike, and so I loved riding dirt bikes. I, you know, I wanted to be able to race them and different stuff. I had friends that were into their dirt bikes and, and stuff. And, but I, I had this interesting experience one day where I was uh, heading down our racetrack. We lived on a dairy farm, a racetrack that's kind of where the cows go, right? But if you're going to call it a racetrack, why not race on it? That's how I sort of think. Anybody? Okay, right. It's just any dairy farmers here? No, we kind of like, okay, all right, good. Uh, anyway, I grew up on dairy farms, so uh, I, I, was, I was out on my dirt bike uh, one day, and I just wanted to go down the last straight, and I just opened it up, opened the throttle, and just, you know, get going a little bit faster. I think I was doing about 80 kilometers an hour, which, you know, it's not bad on a dirt track uh, or gravel road, and uh, so I was, I was hoofing, we used to call it. I was hoofing. <laughs> Anybody who laughed old. All right, okay. You, know, you don't call it, or fanging it. Anyone ever, okay, too many, all right, it's just for the bogans. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so I opened up the throttle, got up to about 80 kilometers an hour, and I looked, and I saw the guy who was milking that day, and he was, he was rounding up the cows in the, in the paddock out the side, and I didn't really put two and two together of what that would mean for the racetrack, uh, but I, so I opened it up, and I kept going, and, and, uh, and I kind of, last minute, my, my eyesight's not very good, I never wanted to wear glasses growing up, so you know, I was, I was doing 80 kilometers an hour with no corrected vision, <laughs> the guy was rounding up the cows, and, and it dawned on me when I was about 10 meters out that there would be a rope, and I saw it finally, a rope tied up across the racetrack, which was aiming for my neck, in my imagination anyway, uh, to decapitate me at 80 kilometers an hour. That's what I thought was going to happen. Uh, so I was in trouble, and uh, I know you're quite worried about me, but the good news is I have ninja reflexes. Didn't get much laughter at uh, the other service either, but anyway, what's going on here? I'm not feeling the love. <laughs> 
in my mind, I thought, this is easy. I'll just tap the back brake and I'll flick the bike on its side. I'll uh, scoop my leg over and I'll just slide because I'd seen them do that in, in races and different things. And uh, all will be fine. We'll just slide under the rope. And so, uh, so that's what I did. I flicked the, uh, the brake, flicked the bike on its side and just slid under the rope, which was amazing. The problem was I forgot to get my leg out. And so the good news is my leg protected the bike and I didn't get any damage on the bike. The bad news is I got up and looked at my leg and I thought it was okay because I saw quite a bit of white. Uh, it turned out that was the bone of my kneecap. <laughs> I'm like, I realized in telling this story, this, you know, this is, uh, anyway. Anybody feeling queasy out there? So that's good. So the guy saw me and he raced over. I picked up my bike. I didn't want to let on what was going This is my biggest problem in my life has been that I just don't want to let on uh, if I'm ever in pain. And that has caused me more problem than you can ever imagine. But anyway, you know, so I picked the bike up and I'm standing behind the bike so he can't see what's happening. Because it was back in the days when, uh, you know, it was okay to wear rugby shorts in public. Um, and so I was in my rugby shorts and, uh, and uh, a whole lot of blood and, and dust and stuff down this leg. And he came over, you're right? I saw what happened. I thought you'd seen the rope. And sorry, ah. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm good, mate. And I ducked under, got my, you know, slid under. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, so he, he took off and kept going with the cows. And I like, you know, how am I going to kickstart this thing? Because this is my right leg and it was a mess. And uh, so I managed to kickstart with my left and, uh, and ride home. And I'm like, oh, man. Uh, I know what's going to happen now. Mum's going to come home and she's going to kill me. <laughs> I guess that's what mums do. Uh, when you do something they told you not to do, like ride with it, <laughs> ride without long pants on. So anyway, you know, so I'm like, I'm going to fix this. So I just pulled some jeans on just to cover it. <laughs> and uh, she came home and was like, what's wrong with your leg? I'm like, nothing, nothing. I looked down and it's just blood and mess and, and all that stuff. Took me to the doctor, you know, he's picking out stones and all this sort of stuff. Can't stitch it because there wasn't enough stin- skin to stitch uh, and, and so on and so forth, which again, you don't probably need those. In my mind, those sort of details are interesting, but uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry about that for you. Um, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the thing about that experience is that I, I, had an, I had an accident, I had an injury, I recovered, and I'm fine. I mean, I've still got scarring there, but, but the reality is, for me, it actually shook me, and it shook my nerve, and to the point where I didn't really want to ride my bike much again. And if I did, I rode it slowly. I was going to get my driver's license, my bike license. I never got it. I never rode on a road. Why? Because what I'd went through, actually, it shook me to the core and it actually made me a bit afraid of motorbikes, which is probably not a bad thing in some degree. But, but if you want to race and if you want to jump, how many of you know you, you can't sort of like second guess yourself? It's not going to work. You're going to get in more trouble. I had friends who had similar crashes and, and actually worse crashes. Instead of it shaking them, they determined to get better from it. And so they went on, I had friends that went on and actually uh, won motocross races and different things who had gone through similar experiences where I had been shaken, they got stirred to get better. Isn't that interesting? You can go through a similar life experience and either be shaken and back away or you can be stirred and pushed forward. Uh, I remember young, young into my church journey and, and we'd been praying and believing for a woman who had cancer to, to, to be healed. And, and in this instance, she didn't. We've seen many people healed of cancer, but this woman uh, didn't. And I had friends at that point that it just shook their faith. They're like, where's God? I don't believe in God. And, and actually some of those people, they were so shaken in their faith that no longer go to church. 
uh, for me, for whatever reason, and I'm not entirely sure, but to me, it actually stirred my faith. And I was like, man, now I want to know more about healing. I want to know and I want to believe and I want to understand Scripture. And I want to get into environments where they see healings more. So some through that circumstance, same circumstance, some were shaken and backed away. Uh, for me, I was stirred and pressed in. Stirred, not shaken. I believe it is God's will when we go through challenges and opposition and obstacles for us to be stirred, not shaken, but for so many of us, we're shaken and not stirred. So don't be a James Bond on me, right? Don't, this message could be summarized. Maybe I could make another title for it. Don't do a James Bond. Don't be shaken, not stirred. Be stirred, not shaken. Don't allow life to shake your faith. Allow God to stir your faith. Now, the disciples in this passage of Scripture came into a storm, and you can see the evidence is that in this storm that they were shaken, so shaken that they start turning on Jesus. You know, don't you even care that we're going to drown? They were shaken. And yet I believe God was wanting to use this to stir faith in them. We see that when we see Jesus' expression in the moment. But it's interesting to me that that inner boat, the problem isn't that the inner boat, the problem isn't even that they're in a storm. The problem is that the what's on the outside, the storm begins to get on the inside of their boat. The challenge in life is not what we go through, right? The challenge in life is what we're allowed to go through us. The fact that you're in a storm is not your problem. Whether you let the storm on the inside of you is whether that's going to be a problem. And Jesus is trying to deal with something that is still internal in the disciples' world. And what is it? It's fear. Because he says to them, hey, he says, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? So Jesus is taking them into the storm. He led them into it. And they get shaken when in turn he was actually trying to stir their faith, help them overcome fear, fear that was going to hold them back from doing what God had called them to do. Now, this is, a, this is something I'm passionate about because for many years of my life, I was ruled and, and, and just uh, overwhelmed and overcome by an incredible sense of fear. And I would never be able to do what God has called me to do or go where God has called me to go if I continue to let fear from my circumstances, get on the inside and rule me. God has, wanted, God has taken me on a journey of helping me overcome my fear. That's kind of why I'm passionate about it, because I don't want you to be limited and held back by fear through what you're going through and what may come your way. So many people live with a, a sense of negative expectation. What if one day this happens? What if one day that happens, right? And you, you're worried about a storm that may not even arrive, but it's crippling you in fear from doing something that God has called you to do rather than having the, well, whatever comes my way, God will be with me. Whatever comes my way, God is going to lead me through, right? Stirred, not shaken. And I just think there's some people here today and you've got some challenges, you've got some seasons, you've got some changes going on. And I believe it's God's heart for you to be stirred, to believe, to see the goodness of God like we sung about rather than to be shaken and pulled back. The Bible says we are not of those who shrink back, but those who believe unto salvation. Now, here's some lessons for us today that I just want to, I just believe God's put on my heart for you as a church, that God will want to speak into our lives as we look at this idea of stirred, not shaken, the disciples are going into a storm, and here's some lessons that I think God would want us to learn from this part of the journey. The first one is that I believe that God will often lead us. How many of you want to be led by God? Hey, that's awesome. Me too. <laughs> yes. Woo. Love responsive crowds. I preach better, I'll tell you. 
Uh, God often leads us by stirring us. Now, let's get into the middle of this because here's the deal with these young men. It wasn't a very comfortable situation for them in the middle of a boat that was getting swamped in the middle of a storm. Jesus is asleep. Classic, intentional Jesus. He's going to teach them something here (laughs) through this. You know, the reality is our greatest revelations of who Jesus is don't actually come through times of ease and comfort, do they? We best discover who Jesus is in times of trouble and in the day of challenge. My concern is that us Western Christians have really kind of uh, got a, a poor view on what the kingdom life is like, and we've made the idea of being comfortable or comfort one of our greatest goals. I want to be comfortable. I, I want to be comfortable in the journey, right? Uh, uh, you know, which, which is what Jesus promised, right? Oh, no, actually, with the other end of the spectrum, wasn't it trials and persecution? <laughs> Woo! That's encouraging. Welcome to Thrive Church. I'm here to encourage you this morning. <laughs> comfort. We want it to be comfortable. Often we want to settle. We want it to have it all worked out and all figured out. You know, we, we, or if God's going to be leading us, then we need to, you know, He leads us by His peace, which is often true, but not always true, right? Because there'll be times where God asks you to do something, you won't have peace, right? You'll be like, ah, but you know it's the right thing to do anyway. We, we make comfort the goal often over the commission. We make our pleasure the goal over his purpose. And I thank God that at times he will allow storms around our lives because he wants to stir something up in our lives. Now, I've got my stirring spoon here. It's my, it's my daughter's one. It's got an owl. Very on fleek, but uh, not very masculine. Anywho, uh, and, 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 you know, I bought my porridge. And, and, and the idea here is six. God often leads us by stirring us. Now, to stir means to agitate, to trouble, to awake, or to, what's the other word there I was going to use uh, from the dictionary? To impel, to agitate, to awake, to impel, <laughs> to trouble. That's what it means to stir. You've got all the ingredients there, but you kind of, you need to mix them up. You need to agitate them. You need to trouble them, <laughs> right? And did you know that God will often lead us by stirring us? stirring us. You want some scriptural reference? Because I know there's people out there going, is that even in the Bible? Yes, it is. I'm glad you asked. Judges chapter 13, uh, verse 24, the woman gave birth to a boy whose name was Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahane. The spirit of the Lord began to... Now, even before the spirit of the Lord came upon him in great strength, The Spirit of the Lord was stirring him, troubling him, provoking him. When he looked around at the the state of his nation and that the Philistines were in charge, he was provoked. He was troubled. He was agitated. He was like, ah, I feel like a stirrer this morning. In fact, it's a great compliment. Anybody comes up to me these days, because this used to happen at school and and stuff, you're a stirrer. I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Now I'm like, oh, yes. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) 
it's like God stirred Samson. Uh, Zerubbabel, in his, which is a great name if you're looking for a new boy's name. Or I'm not sure. In this day and age, it might be a girl's name. I'm not sure. But anyway, the spirit in, in Haggai chapter 1, they, they were supposed to be rebuilding the temple, but they stopped. How did God get them going again? Haggai chapter 1, 14. So the Lord stirred the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of Joshua and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. What did God do? He stirred them. He agitated them. He troubled them. (laughs) My trouble with a lot of Christians is what doesn't trouble them. It agitates me. What doesn't agitate me? When I look at the world, often I'm not troubled by things that should trouble me. God wants to lead us by stirring us, that we should look at the world and we should be troubled by things that God finds troubling about humanity. Are you following me this morning? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32, in verse 11, it says, As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovering over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them, carrying them on the wings, so the, uh, so the Lord alone led him. How did God lead him? By stirring up the nest like the eagle stirs up the nest. Now, the idea there is quite beautiful because an eagle, when it builds a nest, it starts with big branches and big thorny branches. And then it gets the smaller ones and then eventually the nice down and the soft. You know, so when the eaglet's born, it's all comfortable and snugly and nice. But the mother eagle's sitting there going, if you stay here, you're going to die because you weren't born or built to stay in the nest. You were built to fly. And so the, the, the eagle, and this is what the Bible is referring to, the eagle will come and begin to pluck up all the down and pluck out all the, all the soft stuff and the smaller stuff. So the eaglet's sitting there going, oh, this used to feel nice, but it doesn't feel nice anymore. Oh, there's a thorn. Oh, there's a branch. Oh, until it gets so uncomfortable, it has to jump out of the nest and learn to fly. That's the imagery that the Bible is using about how God led his people in the wilderness. He let it get uncomfortable. Why? So that we'd realize we're not born for the, for the comfort and for the mundane and for the ordinary, but we're supposed to get stirred and get uncomfortable so that we'll get out there and be and do what God has called us to be and do. God will often lead us by stirring us. We didn't plant Revolution Church because one day God had spoken and said, Revolution Church, we were in a season of ministry at Annisburg. We're part of a big team. And, and you know, it was amazing things happening and God was doing amazing things. But for whatever reason, I just started to feel uncomfortable. And I, I wanted to blame everybody else. Well, the reason I'm starting to say, you know, and I couldn't work it out because, you know, I knew where the pay was going to come from and, you know, all this sort of stuff where I was reliant. But God was stirring the nest. He was trying to say, this is great, but this is not where I want you to stay. I want you to move into something new. I have something else. And he began to speak to us about Revolution Church. Of course he did. But it started with him beginning to stir me, beginning to provoke me, beginning to agitate me. And we planted a church out the other side, but it was not comfortable. And it's still not comfortable. Why? Because we're taking ground. God often leads us by stirring us. I wonder if God's stirring you in this season. Oh, I pray that he'd stir you this morning. <laughs> Woo! Anybody excited about this message? <laughs> I pray that God would stir us. To see that there is more. God's done wonderful things here in this church and through this church. But when I look at the community, I'm saying, God, there's more. God, there's more. And he wants to stir us to see again what he sees. So God will often lead us by stirring us. The second thing I want to say on that is that God wants to stir our faith. 
What does God want to stir? I think He wants to stir our faith. Our faith works best when it's not sitting at the bottom. <laughs> All right? So these men, they come into this situation. They're in this boat. And, and I love the picture here. There's all sorts of wonderful, beautiful imagery that we could take time to pull apart. But Jesus, after, you know, they, they wake him up and he, he speaks and he calms everything. He turns to them and he says, why are you so afraid? See, what was he after? Well, in my view, he was after, out of the storm, he was after them to be stirred in their faith. In fact, if you connect this to other gospels, you'll see that he was, he was shocked that they hadn't learned about the miracle of the loaves and the fish. And I think the connection there is, or scholars would say that the, the, the connection there is that in the storm, he, he felt like he'd already taught them that miracles don't just happen through him, but also happen through them. And if they would stir their faith, they could be part of the miracle too and deploy miracles. And, and, and I think he, he wanted to stir faith in them that they would learn how to speak to the storm. And that they would, that, why are you so afraid? Don't you have any faith? He's trying to stir faith in them. I wonder what faith is stirring in our hearts. I wonder what steps of faith. Or I wonder if, what it would look like if they were Kiwis and they were you know, sitting there and they're about to die and they'd be like you and me and turn to him and say, this is not very fair, Jesus. <laughs> you know, why me? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this to happen, right? We're so, we're so focused on what's fear, but God's not trying to build fairness into our lives. He's trying to build faith. And you don't get faith unless you go through the trials. You don't get faith. Well, another way of saying that is faith isn't faith until it's all you're holding on to. I worry about fear weather, Christians. Ever heard about fear weather sailors? They only want to go out in fear calm conditions. I wonder if we're somehow building fear weather Christianity. Oh, I'm happy and God's good as long as it's nice and calm and comfortable. (laughs) here they are in a storm and they're in the will of God which is supposed to be encouraging to anybody who's in something and you thought God had abandoned you or you'd done something wrong (laughs) and where's Jesus? he's asleep (laughs) he's not in panic mode over our problems right? we go into panic, he doesn't he's asleep but he's not doing what they wanted him to do. Which is good. But you need to never doubt the presence of your Savior in the presence of the storm. Just because he's not doing what you think he should do or want him to do doesn't mean he's not there. And doesn't mean he's not still Lord. And doesn't mean he's not still in control. And doesn't mean that he hasn't got a solution for the problem that you're facing. Do you know your problems don't shock him? You you cannot get your life into a situation or a mess that he can't get it out of. Have you worked that out? But are you activating faith? Is faith stirring to believe that God could do and redeem and put back together the messes of our lives and the mistakes of our past and make something beautiful out of it? So God will often lead us by stirring us. And in the middle of the stirring, I believe that God wants to stir faith us to serve faith. Have we got faith? Are we applying faith to the challenges in front of us? What steps of faith are you taking right now? Which brings me to my last thought on this this morning. 
God will lead us by stirring us. He wants to stir faith. But I believe even more importantly, he wants us to be stirred to make a difference. Stirred to make a difference. The Bible concludes this story in chapter one of the next, uh, sorry, verse one of the next chapter. It says, after the storm, they arrived on the other side. Right? Is that good news or what? See, if you can't deal with your fear, if you can't deal with what's happening internally, when the storm comes, you'll turn back. Hello. Right? Don't blame the circumstance for turning back. Because there's other people that have faced the same circumstance, but instead of being shaken, they were stirred. And God brought faith in their lives in that season. So don't blame the circumstance for turning back. No, the reason we turn back is because we allow what's happening on the outside to get on the inside. We allow what we're going through to go through us. And God's trying to stir them and He's trying to bring them through the storm and He's trying to stir faith so that in the future that they would be able to go through storms and not turn back because there's something on the other side of the storm that we need to get to. What is it? Well, Gadarenes or Gasserenes in the, whichever translation you use, it both, it's the same word and it translates as reward at the end meaning of the Gadarenes is reward at the end. Do you know there's a reward on the other side of the storm? There's a reason you need to be able to learn the internal stance of faith to persevere in storms. Because there's a reward at the other side. Now what was the reward? In this story, you know what the reward was? Jesus stepped off the boat and a man who had been bound, tormented, demonically oppressed, cut himself, hated his life, outcast, ostracized, comes and bows down in worship. (laughs) I love the people who will worship the Son of God and who he wants to receive worship from. Son of David. Right? And Jesus sets him free, casts out legion. And the townspeople come out and they're like sitting, seeing them clothed. And see, they, the Bible says, in his right mind. The reward on the other side is the ability to minister life and freedom and hope. That's why you've got to make it through your storm. That's why you can't be one who will shrink back and turn back. Because on the other side of your challenges, it's the ability to minister hope to someone who's going through one of those challenges themselves. I have battled for 20 years with a thought life said, you're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. You're not going anywhere. And I have stood my ground in season in and season out, sat in doctor's surgeries time and time again. You're struggling with depression. You're struggling with depression. You're struggling with depression. (laughs) 
for whatever reason, I never gave up the fight. I still have to learn to take my thoughts captive. And I've walked through that storm, the dark places of wanting to end my life. And I kept walking. And I kept walking. (laughs) I live with so much hope, right? Because I didn't turn back. And what's the reward on the other side? I wouldn't wish anybody would have to walk through that. But the reward for me, that kind of almost makes it worth it, is that I get to tell other people, don't give up. Because there will come a day when you'll be glad you hung on. You'll be glad you didn't pull the plug. When the good times come back, because they will come back, you'll find the promise of life and life evermore in Jesus who will turn your pain into purpose, who will train you, change your mess into mission. <laughs> God wants to stir the church from its sleep. The Bible says, Behold, in Revelation, before you is an open door. I love that, an open door of purpose, an open door of destiny, an open door of freedom, an open door. Many of us can't see the open door because there's a storm standing right in front of it. That's why you've got to keep pressing through the storm because on the other side of the storm is the open door, the great reward, the opportunity to be a a life-changing difference maker for Jesus Christ. Amen. So don't wait for the storm to pass before you do something for God because it'll never, you'll never do it. There's always another storm around the corner. But if you will have faith, <laughs> then you will move through. Can I get you to stand to your feet this morning, church, worship team, come and join me. Let me pray. I'd love to pray for you. Just feel like God's stirring something. Come on, He's stirring faith. Oh, He's stirring conviction. What troubles me is what doesn't trouble us. We should look at the brokenness and the hurt and the despair. We should be deeply troubled, deeply stirred, knowing that we keep inside of our hearts the message of the gospel and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, the answer that the world is crying out for. Let me pray. Jesus, I want to thank you for your goodness towards us. I want to thank you that your love, your truth, and your freedom. God, I sense that this is a moment in time, a holy moment, where you're doing something in our hearts, where you're desiring to stir us to faith and good works. You're desiring to stir us with the things that stir your hearts. And so we just pray, God, stir us. We say, yes, God, stir our hearts for what's stirring in your heart. Stir faith in us. Stir us that we would be used by you to make a difference in our world, to advance the kingdom in our generation. Stir us that we would have a passion to see Thrive Church become all that you see. A lost winning, disciple making, life transforming, vehicle of hope, a vessel of hope in this community and beyond this community. Stir us, God. Come on, if you're feeling like this message is something that God is wanting to speak to you, I want you to raise your hands towards heaven. 
you're already feeling stirred or you're feeling troubled (laughs) by what doesn't trouble and you want to be stirred, raise your hands towards heaven and pray this after me. Jesus, stir me. Stir my faith. Stir my compassion. Stir my gift. Stir my heart. Stir my mind. Stir my spirit. May I be stirred today. Stir me tomorrow. Stir me Tuesday. Stir me every day of my life for what stirs in your heart. In Jesus' name. Come on, that's a dangerous prayer right there. How many believe God wants to answer prayers like that?